Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. Is you codified uh, support for same-sex marriage and interracial marriages like like ours? I'm curious what your evolution was like on marriage equality and what the federal government might be able to do to protect LGBTQ Americans, especially trans kids who are dealing with all these regressive state laws that are popping up right now. I can remember exactly where my uh, epiphany was. Okay. I hadn't thought much about it, to tell you uh-huh. the truth. And I was, a, I was a senior in high school. That we invest more in safer communities and expand access to mental health services for those affected by gun violence. Congressional Republicans should pass my budget instead of calling for cuts in these services or defunding the police or abolishing the FBI, as we hear from our MAGA Republican friends. So we've been talking about defunding the police. Uh, There's some issues that we ask police to do, like mental health issues or policing in schools and all the rest, that perhaps we can uh, shuffle some of that money around. Suck it up. Defunding the police has to happen. We need to defund the police. Mayor Eric Garcetti saying, take some of the money from policing, about $150 million. I applaud Eric Garcetti for doing what he's done. Not only do we need to disinvest for in police, but we need to completely dismantle the Minneapolis Police Department. So yes, defund your butts, defund you. Yes, I support the reallocation of resources uh, from NYPD. We will be moving funding from the NYPD to youth initiatives and social services. They are talking about reducing the allocation of resources to that department. And I think every single city in this country ought to be thinking about the same thing. Yes, I support the defund movement. I'm for responsible reallocation of resources and defund the police i think you do all those other things you don't need all the money that's going to the police department so yeah i mean the spirit of it i i I do support that yeah and you know a lot of us were asked if we could imagine a future without police back in 2017 when we were running for office and i answered yes to that question we are going to reduce funding in the police department and redirect that money there's no reason the police budget should just keep growing and growing and growing they can make sensible cuts to police. We propose to redirect over $7 million from the police bureau. That our city, through our city administrative officer, identify $250 million. Government trust you think, you think his budget reduces debt? Uh, our budget focuses on the deficit, which in no, turn has that. an impact on the okay. debt. So that's a no. To talk about how we can combat hate and anti-Semitism. I also met some Ukrainian refugees who were there. Uh, and we need to support them. And I met one woman who was saved in the Holocaust in Germany, settled in Ukraine, and is now a refugee again back in Berlin, where she originally left as a, as a Jew in the Holocaust. So you can't, these are the stories that are happening out there. And so this stuff is so important. This hate is interconnected. You see it 
in the discourse in the country right now. You see it in the in the divide that we have, and that just going to the school meeting. You see that that hate. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It's the 17th of March, year of our Lord, 2023. And what a great fucking intro. The president lying and lying. I know it's four minutes. I'll downsize it to two. I just had to play some. I'm going to leave the four. I hate the long intros, but God bless America. Lying about when he was for gay marriage because he was for gay marriage before after he was against, he was for it before he was against it, then he was for it. His budget, person actually admitting the budget's a lie, it's not going to reduce anything. And then the vice president's husband talking about Nazis. We hear a lot about vice president husbands. We never heard anything about other husbands. That was never a thing. And by the way, I don't have a full breakdown yet, but I do have this, that we're going to pay 500000 to promote inclusive societies in Mongolia, $2 million for election integrity in Serbia, even though we don't have election integrity here, $3 million to build a movement of girl-centered climate action. I don't even know what that is, but we're doing it, which is great. That's really good. I'm glad. I'm glad we're doing that. So fucking important. So today we're going to go through a bunch of soapbox stuff. Pretty much a soapbox and military corner because of some of the soapbox. And Dylan Mulvaney. I'm going to try to get that in and some prog violence. I don't know if I'm going to get this whole show done. It's just so much shit. It never stops. Let's start with lib freak out number 5722 because tucker carlson said something how can people help what the, the media is not covering this no one in congress seems to care with a few exceptions marjorie taylor green being one of them but most don't care so how can people who do care make a difference for these and i'm just going to say it, these political prisoners because that's what they are well, the first thing, of course, is if Kevin McCarthy would release all the footage to all the public, um, the thing that the public can do to help is they can research through the footage that's already out there. They can go to stophate.com slash J6 and see our calls to actions, which include praying for us, which include um, fundraisers to the people. You can make sure the money goes to the people themselves, and which includes writing letters to the people who are currently incarcerated. You can also watch documentaries that have been made and the truth which is going on out there, which is being held back by the gatekeeping media that, for example, four people died that day and they were all Trump supporters. Of course, you've revealed that Sicknick died the next day and it wasn't because of Trump supporters. There was a lot of police violence that happened that day. um, And yeah, that needs to be investigated. January 6th, I think is probably second only to the 2020 election is the biggest scam in my lifetime. Because he called the military prisoners or political prisoners, and I hope the mic's better. I've noticed that if I moved, you couldn't hear me, so I changed it. Um, and that it's the biggest scam since the 2020 elections. The left just lost their goddamn mind, and we're going to get to it in a second because there's so, it just there's so many stacked up things I'm pissed off about. I mean, it started with subject A, then it became B, a link to Tucker, and then a C came in. So let's just 
go into our soapbox. I adjusted the sound. I'm so sorry about that explosion. Jesus scared the shit out of me. Here is Biden once again talking about taking guns. In the meantime, my executive order directs my attorney general to take every lawful action possible, possible to move us as close as we can to universal background checks without new legislation. His unconstitutional, yes, I said it, gun ban. The executive order will also keep more guns out of dangerous hands by increasing the effective use of red flag laws, strengthen efforts to hold the gun industry accountable, and accelerate law enforcement efforts to identify and apprehend the shooters menacing our community. President Biden is also encouraging the Federal Trade Commission to issue a public report analyzing how gun manufacturers market firearms to minors, which isn't happening. The fact sheet claimed that the order falls within existing executive authority and outside the right protect by the Second Amendment, that it moves the country as close to universal background checks as possible without additional legislation. Joe Biden, the gun industry is the only outfit you can't sue these days. The man even can't define the terms. These are all replies. Meaningless drivel from a drooling idiot. Without new legislation, this is how tyranny works. Within it, from the Federalists, the fact sheet from the White House, uh, da, 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 the executive order also keep more. I read that. The fact sheet claims that the order falls. Da, 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 da. Moves to close as possible within the existing law to universal background check, accelerate implementation of the bipartisan Safer Community Act, increases awareness of red flag laws, which is just a way for liberals to say, I don't feel comfortable because he was clearing his gun on his back porch you know he was just cleaning his gun and i was spying and now i want his gun taken away that's what red flags are uh, insp- improve support for victims family survivors advance firearm and public safety practices provide the public with more information about firearm dealers who are violating the law advance congressional effort to prevent proliferation of firearms and accelerate federal law enforcement reporting of felons so we can take the guns replies. How can Joe Biden recount the whole story and miss the biggest takeaway? California's so-called assault weapons ban did nothing to stop it. Biden again proposed an assault weapon ban. The only problem is criminals don't follow the law. The ban is only for regulars. And I hate to keep bringing this up because facts are sticky like that. Um, we already have background checks called the NICS. When you fill out your form, they go to the FBI. The FBI says yay or nay. That's how it works. I sold guns. I filled out 4473s. Yes, people can lie. Hunter Biden did. We didn't throw him in jail. So I guess it's not that big a deal. And there's the quandary. Lefties wrote HIPAA laws. So you can't link criminally insane people to not get a gun. And if we did do it, the left would be like, well, you went in for depression once you don't get a gun, Tony. That's how it would work. I got treated for PTSD. Survivor's guilt. So I don't get a gun. That's how they'd work it. 
but we already have background checks. This whole thing about no background checks, private sales, yes. When I sold my gun to Matt in Oregon, yeah, we didn't do a background check. But that's the only way that people can pass guns around. The reality is the guns that are causing crimes, the guns that are the problem, aren't us. We went to a gun store and bought our gun. The AR that used to hang here, but I didn't want people to see it anymore because the left's crazy. I bought that legally through a guy with a fucking broker license who did do a background check on me. My pistol was background checked. My 45 was background checked. I fill out a form. They go in there and because the FBI is too busy going after pro-life people, there are people that sneak through the cracks and get guns. So that was freak out number one. This we played on the last show Fartmeister talking about the liberal goal, media, media matters, CNN, MSNBC, Will Carlisle, as we'll see from the USA Today, all wanting to dictate what vets can watch, what soldiers can watch on base and remove Fox News and this liberal front called Vote Vets that I checked. It's just another liberal group that says they're for vets because they found a bunch of vets that are gay or woke or part of BLM or served two days and, and then got kicked out. They ran this video. Tucker Carlson, Laura Ingram, and Sean Hannity spread their conspiracy theories to U.S. troops. And now we know they knew they were lies just to boost their ratings. Bayer, there is no evidence of fraud. There's no excuse for allowing anti-American, anti-democracy, anti-military disinformation anywhere our troops serve. Ban Carlson, Ingram, and Hannity from all military facilities. Fucking asshats. This is just like IAVA all over again. It is a liberal group pretending to speak for vets. Will Carlisle. As Jane Lane reported this week, Tucker Carlson's misleading broadcast already led to an explosion in threats online. If there were an attack right now, one of the groups and individuals that was mentioned in Tucker's report, I would not be surprised at all. Megan Squire. My reply. Let me get to the right one. I've been reticent to respond due to your tone, disagree, extremist, but on this, CNN and MSNBC also have talent that has pushed disinfo and division. Fox is number one viewed by vets, you know it. This is why, this is, this like many of the Media Matters DNC media push to silence competition. Once again, I'm a non-mega GOP. As a 20-year Army combat vet, vets fought to defend 1A. Votes vets a liberal group doesn't speak for vets and if you pulled this a vets would disagree fox is the only problem b vets would choose what they watch and don't need it dictated by progs and the media i then retweeted this what the hell is that i don't even know what that is um hold one let me get it in there boom this one, 
which is Vote Vets like IAVA is another prog run org as a 20-year vet and decorated for OEF1. I know no vet who is for shutting down one network. They actually fought and believe in 1A and America's making their own opinion on subjects. If anything, they would say... Sorry. Um, show thread. Yeah, sorry, I didn't have it set up. Um... If disinfo and division is a problem, other networks need to be suppressed if government needs to disregard 1A. They would also say this is just another example of using VET as a tool to try and influence what VETs watch, which, by the way, Fox would be the number one channel, thus this push, and how disgusted they are with progs forming orgs using VET in the name to push the cause and media fodder that all VETs believe. VETs don't all believe in one thing. They are diverse demo like all demos but if you polled vets wanting to shut down networks it wouldn't poll high which had a bunch of people looking at it because it was linked to this and understand this was happening while as we go into our military corner and for the first time split up uh our soapbox russia was taking down a drone But before I get to that important work, I want to say just a few words about a troubling episode yesterday. On Tuesday, Russian aircraft again engaged in dangerous and reckless and unprofessional behavior in the international airspace over the Black Sea. And two Russian jets dumped fuel on an unmanned U.S. MQ-9 aircraft conducting routine operations in international airspace. And one Russian jet struck our M MQ-9 aircraft, resulting in a crash. And this hazardous episode is a part is part of a pattern of aggressive, risk, risky, and unsafe actions by Russian pilots. And a drone they are now recovering. What the actual fuck is wrong with this administration? So we're spending all our time trying to take out. Fox News, because you don't want vets to vote red. That's what it's about. Let's not be stupid. It's all about just trying to get people not hearing another opinion because they want it to be their opinion. And our drone gets taken out like this, where they dump fuel and took out a Reaper. Pentagon unsure if it can recover drone. Of course, because Russia is recovering the debris as we speak. Ships are pulling up our Reaper drone to which they now have all the technology. And what do we do? Absolutely nothing. I mean, I'm not calling for war, but this is, this is once again, what we get with democratic institutions. You know, I, I've been saying it a lot, 
and tweeting it, which I know is annoying. But we just had four years of Trump is owned by Putin. The only time Putin did anything is under Obama and Biden when they said he wouldn't do it. The only time anybody acts up is under them. Austin and Millie speak with Russian counterparts as tensions rise. And they're just, what? We were in their airspace. They took it out. We're going to do nothing. Because what we do is a fucking shit ton of red lines. That's all we do. If you do this, you're going to get in trouble. Well, if you do this, you're going to do that. And we're going to do this. And then we never do anything. We do absolutely nothing. That's fucking embarrassing. We can't even sanction Russian right. And with the Ukraine war never ending, we're doing another Vietnam here where we're starting it out with proxies by handing them all our shit. And what's to say eventually we don't get involved in this? A war over a country that's pretty fucking shady now the more we dig into it. I mean, I burn my I need ammo shirt. That guy's crooked as fuck, and I didn't get that from Tucker. I just researched. Anyway, back into our military corner. We're going to do the Iron Rockasan Marathon. Pretty cool because it's a memorial I walk to every day. And learn a little bit about 160th soar, the bad motherfuckers in the air with the helicopters that can put you anywhere in the world. People have been asking a lot of questions about the Iron Warrior and the 31.87 mile ultra marathon. They want to know why would you do something so challenging and put yourself through something so tough? Well, we ask, why not? You see, 50 years ago, a special group of Rakasans taught us what it means to be Iron Warriors. Men from the 101st Airborne Division were told to take a hill that most claimed was impossible. But they said, why not? You see, Hill 937 was no ordinary hill. In fact, the locals called the hill Dong At Bia, which translates to the Crouching Beast. These Iron Warriors travel half a mile uphill against the most dug in and fortified enemy positions in the entire Vietnam War. Our battalion took nearly 70% casualties and kept fighting. The enemy kept hitting and they kept fighting. They never quit. In fact, quite the opposite. They conquered the enemy and took the hill. So this May, we will honor these men for their sacrifices, their dedication to a higher calling, and their service to our nation. On May 15th, we will travel 31.87 miles by foot to show them that iron sharpens iron. So where will you be? If you want an Army pilot career, the 160th soar is the creme de la creme. And if you want to be a part of a generally top-notch team, than 160th SOAR aka the Night Stalkers. The 160th Special Operations Aviation Regiment SOAR is for individuals who aren't afraid of challenges, heights, or worldwide missions. 
Best known for their nighttime flying techniques, night stalkers are dedicated to striking targets undetected on even the darkest of nights. Curious about the 160th soar's train as you fight mentality and vigor? What is the 160th soar? In the Army, the 160th Special Operations Aviation Regiment, SOAR, is the appointed aviation unit for special operations. Due to the nighttime operations proficiency required for their roles, the 160th SOAR soldiers are known as night stalkers. Together, the 160th SOAR involves a regiment headquarters for battalions and a training company. Each battalion has a collection of light, medium, and heavy helicopters it uses to support special operations forces missions globally. What do night stalkers do? This specially trained group has one core mission, to organize, equip, train, resource, and employ Army Special Operations Aviation Forces worldwide. Rock a fucking song, man. That's fucking badass. I like that one. All right, two other stories we got. Um, woman posed as a wounded vet, stolen Valor bitch is going to jail. Posed as a wounded Marine to get donations and veterans benefits is going to prison. A federal judge sentenced Sarah Cavanaugh a short time ago. Before learning her punishment, she told the court she was ashamed of what she did. 12 News reporter Alexandra Leslie was in court for the sentencing hearing and joins us live with what happened. Alex? Well, before a judge handed down the maximum sentence that federal prosecutors requested just under six years, we also heard from victims of Sarah Kavanaugh's in court talking about how they not how she not only stole their money, but also their confidence, trust and respect. And we also heard from Kavanaugh herself. Prosecutors argued that while Sarah Kavanaugh tried to gain acceptance and respect, she could have done so without stealing from others. The bottom line is it's simply appalling. The 32-year-old was sentenced to 70 months in prison and to pay just under $300,000 in restitution to more than a dozen victims. Three spoke inside federal court where cameras are not allowed, including a cancer patient that Kavanaugh stole medical records and accepted donations from to pay for fictitious treatments of her own. U.S. Attorney Zachary Cunha calls Kavanaugh's actions morally repugnant. This is a defendant who convinced friends at the gym to bend down and tie her shoelaces because she claimed she couldn't do that. This is a defendant who got herself a service puppy to deal with supposed battlefield trauma that, of course, she never experienced because she's never served in the military, let alone on a battlefield, and then convinced her friends to bend down and pick up the dog's waist for her because she claimed she couldn't do that. The commander of North Kingstown VFW 152 spoke in court about how her actions have resulted in a loss of trust and support to local VFWs. One VFW member told us more about that outside of court. The credibility factor was damaged. It damaged us. And we have seen it, as the Post Commander Dave Ainsley has said. It's like, you know, we're, there's things we're trying to get out there and support. Um, and we don't have as much resources. We don't have as much money. We don't have the volunteers that are part of the Post. So, I mean, you know, you can't put a dollar figure on that. Kavanaugh's attorney had requested a much lighter sentence of 24 months and a day, saying she has already paid a significant price by losing her job and reputation. The 32-year-old also spoke in court, saying she was sorry, but that she wanted a chance to rebuild her life. Now, in court, Kavanaugh's defense attorney requested that she be able to attend an appointment with her psychiatrist tonight, but the judge remanded her immediately into the custody of U.S. Marshals, and she was taken out of court in handcuffs. 
Reporting live in Providence. What a piece of fucking shit. This is not good. Soldier receives first permanent duty station to Poland. What the fuck? Are we moving in? Are we are we moving in over there? What are we doing? Arctic Angels equipped with newest extreme cold weather gear. These are the guys that are now the guys stationed at Fairbanks and Fort Richardson. And the new gear, man, mucklucks. Um, kind of going back to the old system where you have um, different boots like the VBs. And then you have mucklucks. You have new pants, outer. So you have like a base, a next layer, and then an outer layer. Not your uniform. Uh, field pants and shirts, which is pretty fucking badass. That's the way it was when I was stationed there oh so long ago. It was wool shirts and pants. Um, 101st Airborne Division conducts counter UAS training in preparation for future fight. We have this, the Evolution, the next generation Abrams. The Abrams takes a 60-ton offing designed to be a little faster, more mobile, and smaller. Smaller silhouette, which is probably good. This is just crazy. I didn't even know this was a thing. There's a new vehicle. It is replacing the 113. First unit gets new armored multi-purpose vehicles replacing 113s. The U.S. Army this week delivered the first BAE system-made armored multi-purpose vehicle to 1st Armored Brigade Combat Team, Fort Stewart, Georgia, 3rd Infantry Division. And let's put this picture up so you can see it. It looks a lot like... Uh, uh, you motherfucker. It, it looks a lot like um, a 113, but it's got a lower silhouette. And uh, let's see, did I get it? I think I got it. There you go. That's a better picture. A much lower silhouette than what the 113 was. Army sticking to flawed tape test with tweaks. The tape test is stupid as fuck. We talked about it on the show. Belly and neck. And for women, it's belly, neck, breast, thighs. And you come up with a percentage and it's never right. Because if you have a big neck, you're good to go. Army to test out its new guns in extreme environments. They're going to take them out for a ride. And then I ran into this great article because you know I love my Rockasans. The Tories right behind us. Made by Scott Carl. When they made the V280 Valor, they brought in soldiers to do code load training on site and they literally did flights in this bad boy it was during covid here's a picture just so you see it and i've talked about cold load a lot so i searched cold load training just so you know what it is we do this before every air assault we practice getting on and getting off the bird safety what we're going to do if it crashes it is a staple. Now, nine times out of ten in the 101st, the V280, I doubt, will be any different. Remember, when we went to Afghanistan, we put 50 motherfuckers on a Chinook. That's not what it's made for. So you had the bench seats and people sitting on the rucks in the center. There was ones that actually took off with 60 or 70 fucks in it standing because they had to get them to fuck out. But in a Blackhawk, we'll get 18 motherfuckers, rip the seats out, and you sit on the ground. So as a platoon sergeant, I was next to the door. I was crammed in behind the pilot seat on the right, 
and I would open the door and fall out. I'd be the first one out because you were crammed in there like fucking sardines. But here's a short video about cold load training just so you know what it is. I'm CW2 Matt Palermo, UH-60 Blackhawk pilot uh, with Alpha Company 3501 AHB with 1AD cab. We're doing cold load training to get the field artillery guys familiar and comfortable with the aircraft, with the seat belts and just getting in and out. And then we're doing hot load training um, just because everybody gets a little bit more nervous when the blades start turning. So they're a little bit more comfortable being around the aircraft when the blades are turning and everything is running. It definitely makes loading them up a little bit quicker, gives us less time on the PZ and then less time on the LZ as well, getting them off the helicopter efficiently as quick as possible. The most enjoyable part of my job is probably seeing the faces and the way everybody reacts when they get to get a helicopter ride. Not many opportunities come along for a lot of these guys, especially with the field artillery. So it's fun giving them the opportunity to do something that they normally don't get to do. That's it. In a nutshell, I got that off a Facebook page, which is pretty cool. So the Rockasons, because <clears throat> they are the awesome, best brigade in the Army. Well, 502 is pretty close because I'm a DMAR. They are going to have their fingers on the V-280. Navy renamed survey ship after a chick because everything is stupid. Amid the rising tide of hate, what happened to counter-extremism in the military? Another article worrying about soldiers. They're very interested in soldiers. They really want to mold soldiers into be prog extremists, which is very interesting. Very, very interesting. This hurts my heart. They're giving food subsidies to soldiers because Biden's economy is so fucking bad. Soldiers are sucking buttermilk and they don't have any goddamn food. But a positive from VA going to try to house. They're doing this initiative to get the homeless off the street, which is that that's pretty cool. But then, of course, I don't think I got this. Nope, I didn't get this. Um they then changed their logo because they had gendered language. Jesus fucking Christ, somebody shoot me in the face. So, I spent a lot of time looking for two soundtracks. One was Brian Seltzer with his misinfo, disinfo, you info, my info, worrying and freaking the fuck out about, oh my God, we got to make everybody prog. And I got it for a South of Southwest. Um, hit it showed up this weekend but some interesting stuff came down and most of you who listen to both are going to be you know you're already ahead of me but I'm going to play the whole tape um, Dylan Mulvaney's tape started leaking out like fucking crazy from her 360 craziness to a big hit that I took down to three minutes so we're going to see Poltergeist chick freak the fuck out and get on her knees supine in front of her. Because I'm going to play that every time I do a transection now. Her talking about her 360. And then I'll just take the bumper out because we're going to talk for a second. But we're not going to now. You're going to go straight into five minutes of what the show was. Because remember, this dude is a victim. 
can't imagine anybody disliking you. Oh, please. Do you know, do you want to know, ironically, who uh, dislikes me the most sometimes? Who? Myself. iHeartRadio Broadway, driven by Mercedes-Benz. Oh my God, I had no idea. This was never meant to be like an ongoing series. Truthfully, it kind of just started as like a little comedic moment that then turned into something a lot more vulnerable. But I do think that there's something about spreading trans joy in any capacity and my avenue just sort of happened to be TikTok. And I'm really excited now to take all of that energy and these people that I've brought together and now go back to my roots, which is Broadway. Honestly, I I'm, was very particular about merch because I, you know, I, I like to be very fashionable and I wanted to make sure the merch felt that way too. Um, but it just felt like a great way to celebrate Day 365, connect with fans, and I think that uh, hopefully everyone gets a little femme fun out of it. I would say about six months into Days of Girlhood, I already was getting comments that were like, what is Day 365 gonna be? And I knew that I wanted it to be more than like a birthday party, kind of, you know, just a run-of-the-mill birthday. And I thought, okay, I wanna perform again. I wanna sing, I wanna dance, I wanna show these people what I really am passionate about. So I was approached by, I actually put in a caption on TikTok, I said, um, I don't know what day 365 is gonna be, but I hope it has something to do with theater. And a Broadway producer, Diana Demena and Rachel Sussman of Plate Spinner Productions approached me and were like, hey, let's go on this journey together. We added a few more producers and now it's turned into the Rainbow Room, which is sort of this old Hollywood glamour which I think is very much my vibe, but we've turned it into sort of this like walk through memory lane of, of my past 365 days with a lot of Broadway you know, music, some Disney, um, some Kate Bush, and, and just really trying to, to show trans joy in a scripted way as well. Well, I really wanted an emphasis on women and trans people, and I also was just thinking about the story and, and, and how can I you know, lift up other people's voices and how can I um, find segments that feel very much like my brand but also can show another human experiencing transness. And, and so it has been really, I'm, I'm specifically excited for that segment with L. Morgan Lee and Sis. Uh, we're doing Sisters together. And I just think that to see three trans women that are all, you know, working separately come together and do this, you know, iconic theater moment will be something that we haven't really gotten to see before. I want more commercial theater like that though. We have four costume changes as of right now and I think it's looking like Christian's going to close the show with quite the gown. They, they're old, actually, we do have, I think, a black gown in there, but it, to, you know, that's for one of maybe the, the darker moments of the show. Uh, but there's gonna be a lot of pink femme energy in that room. Things are going really well. Like, I just had my first dance as a girl, and oh, I can pay my bills, and I'm building up a following, and I feel supported, and you know what? I'm feeling lucky, let's Google my name. Dylan Mulvaney is intentionally degrading women every time he does this woman face minstrel show routine. He is insulting and demeaning them and doing it on purpose 
and, he, and profiting off of it, and he doesn't care. And if that is the most attractive you will ever look, then I don't even want to imagine what you'll look like when you're at your ugliest. Documenting his creepy, fetishized version of what it means to be a girl. Well, Dylan Mulvaney has had some surgery to make his face look more like Bruce Jenner's. Dylan Mulvaney has just given the best proof yet that transgenderism broadly, or at very least the type of transgenderism that he suffers from, is a sexual fetish. Dylan is not a woman. Dylan is playing a caricature of a woman. That one can say he is a woman and become one of the most influential women in America in just six months of wearing dresses and ironing his hair. The patriarchy always wins, gang. Oh, and there is Dylan Mulvaney as Audrey Hepburn. The difference being that Audrey Hepburn was an actual woman with a vagina. I showed it. What? Why would you give them even a second of your big day? Well, these are the people I have to deal with on a regular basis, so I thought I should include them in the evening. But that doesn't mean you have to listen to them. Well, I've always loved a little constructive criticism. Baby, there's nothing constructive about that. Right. And it's not just criticism, it's indoctrination. Mm -hmm. Trans and non-binary people have been around for thousands of years. My love, they want to silence us. They want to silence us and keep us in the matrix. Well, I think we've established that I really like to talk, so I don't think they're gonna have the best luck silencing me. <laughs> Truthfully, I don't know what their goal is, but I do know how they make me feel now that I've built up a thicker skin. It doesn't hurt me. Do you want to feel how it feels? Do you want to know, know that it doesn't hurt me? Do you want to hear about the deal I'm making? My response going forward, it's not over-explaining myself. It's not pleading. It's, um, it's not expecting kindness from someone who has no kindness to give. My response is in the next joyous video that I make. That's my response. And if I only could, I'd make a deal with God, and I'd get him to swap our places. Can we pause there? I'm gonna say something that might make people feel a little bit uncomfortable. Um. I'm trying really hard to maintain a relationship with God. And I don't think that he made a mistake with me. Um, and that maybe one day I will actually be grateful for being trans. That this isn't some curse, but it's just a different path to the same destination. Be running up that road, be running up that hill, be running up that building. And they can stick and they can mangle my joy into something ugly, something that fits an agenda. Um, but the only agenda I have is to be happy and to be healthy and to stay alive. <laughs> And um, if they can't support that, then I don't think that's support worth having.
because I look around this room and on this live stream and I have all the support that I need right here. What the fuck, man? What the fuck? So you commit your show to talking about how mean people are? It's a dude. He's selling KitchenAids and stuff. He's a KitchenAid person. He's got contracts. And then this leaked out that basically there's no difference between whatever the hell he calls himself and what he... Yeah, here's him on Price is Right. Uh, get to spin the wheel. Yeah, you get to spin the wheel. But guess what? You get a second chance in this game first. No way. Oh, yeah. my God. Oh, my God. I'm still in it. So you know two prices already, which is a great thing. Three ninety nine and five ninety nine. Which one do you want to keep? I'm going to keep the five ninety nine. Keep five ninety nine. Something else up here is five dollars and ninety nine cents. You can tell me what it is. You get everything. I'm going to say the soup. Soup, five ninety nine. It's pretty fancy. It is. Yes, you got it. Dylan's a winner. Dylan's a winner. Dylan, nice job, man. Look at that. Uh, we're gonna spin the wheel right after this. Don't go away, folks. Yeah, I guess he was trying out for his role a lot sooner than we all thought he was, because that's it. Um, Dylan Mulvaney had a glamorous celebration for this day. 365, a woman had the Rockfoot Center this week. The entire DW lineup made it into the show as the villains. He's trying to play the innocent victim here, but only provides one, our point in the process. Um thread. Our criticism of him is that he is not a woman, but rather a performer wearing womanhood as a costume. His idea of womanhood is that he learned from Disney cartoons. How does he respond to the change by dressing up as a princess and prancing around on stage while singing? His tears during this rehearsed performance are as authentic as everything else about him, which is to say they are totally contrived and manipulated, just more emotional blackmail meant to shut down completely valid criticism. Please note, something to real women will ne never get a red card gala at the Rockefeller Center to congratulate them for simply existing. That kind of spectacle is reserved for Dylan. It is his privilege only to enjoy by him and people like him. And it goes on, and I'm not going to read anymore because that's pretty much the premise of all this. My wife, a real woman, will never be treated like this. Will never be loved like this. She'll never be a KitchenAid spokesman even though she deserves to be. She's a real woman, yet tools like this well, they, they get to just be treated like victims while they're being lauded. So, here's Matt Walsh talking about it. It'll take us straight into prog violence. We have a lot today. It'll start with Charlie Kirk. Things are going really well. Like I just had my first dance as a girl 
and oh, I can pay my bills and I'm building up a following and I feel supported and you know what? I'm feeling lucky. Let's Google my name. Dylan Mulvaney is intentionally degrading women every time he does this woman face minstrel show routine. He is insulting and demeaning them and doing it on purpose and, he, and profiting off of it and he doesn't care. If that is the most attractive you will ever look, then I don't even want to imagine what you'll look like when you're at your ugliest. Documenting his creepy, fetishized... Hundreds of protesters converging on the UC Davis campus tonight as a highly charged speaking event brings out conservatives, liberals, and what appears to be Antifa activists. CBS 13's Brady Hop Live is live with those tense moments. All right, Brady, we're hearing it got pretty ugly at times. Hey guys, I'm just outside of the pavilion right now where things are much quieter than they were earlier this evening. And it all stemmed from an event being held right here by Turning Point USA, who hosted Charlie Kirk, a conservative podcaster and radio host. Stand up, fight back! The field outside of the University Credit Union Center cluttered with people protesting ahead of Tuesday night's event, including what appeared to be members of Antifa. Cops off campus! Cops off campus! The crowd face to face with a heavy law enforcement presence as event goers snuck their way in. They did a barrier where you couldn't even walk past them and they're being like physical too. We are going to get stronger, not Tonight's speaker, Charlie Kirk, a conservative podcaster who the university says is a proponent of misinformation and hate. UC Davis stands with our transgender and non-binary Aggies in opposition to this hateful and divisive messaging. Chancellor May also notes that any student organization has the right to reserve facilities and invite speakers of their choice. Yes, there's a lot of lies being spewed out out there that it's only like a white, it's like a white supremacist convention over here supposedly, but you know, I'm Mexican, bro. Some event goers say they're upset over the university's message put out earlier today. Colleges used to be the bastion of free speech. You used to be able to have a debate, two sides. Earlier in the evening, an event held by the David Phoenix Coalition says this kind of speech goes too far. There is a line that's crossed, I think, when it becomes weaponized to, um, you know, to oppress other people and, and quite frankly, to put other people in danger. This speaker uh, is, is promoting what I would consider to be hate speech. Back at the pavilion, students like Kaden Velasquez says events like this can be complicated for a university to manage. The chancellor's in a, in a very difficult position um, because Davis uh, is a very liberal school. Velasquez says the university should have the responsibility to shut it down. If Surprisingly, Will Carlisle didn't cover any of that.
just didn't come. I'm going to leave this up for a whole segment because it is it is violence. We talk about words or violence and there's so much extremism. Listen to this ad that's airing in Ohio because of what the left wants to do to your daughter. Your daughter's young, vulnerable, online. You fear the worst, pushed to change her sex or to get an abortion. You have some right to help her through this, but activists want to take all that away. Under their proposed amendment to the Ohio Constitution, the state shall not interfere with individuals getting abortions or sex changes, meaning you could be cut out of the biggest decision of her life. Now, it's bad enough that Dylan Mulvaney is more popular than anybody else on the planet and being pushed down your kid's neck on fucking TikTok. How about CNN and the rest of them pushing that we're all going to die? That's another thing that kids don't get good sleep over. He made the trek south as scientists announced the Antarctic sea ice hit record lows for the second time in two years. I'm so glad you went. You were greeted by the penguins. Greeted by the penguins. I haven't been this giddy since show and tell in (laughs) fifth grade. It was (laughs) mind-blowing, Poppy. I can't even tell you. You watch The Wonder List. You know how much I adore Alaska and Greenland and Iceland. Uh, This place is all of those on steroids. As as one pro says, it it makes Alaska Uh. suddenly taste like light beer (laughs) because it's so extreme. You've got these mountains, these glaciers surrounded by whales. We're doing a big special. Uh, coming up, but I, I, I couldn't wait to just share. Here's my first impressions yes. waking up at the frozen world that few people ever get to see. But but really, gosh, and especially having little ones at home, you must think about what you get to see versus how the world will be so changed by the time that they are adults. Speaking of, it yes. is largely dependent on what we do and don't do to the world. So let's talk about the Biden administration making a very controversial move approving this big drilling project called the Willow Oil Drilling project in Alaska, really letting down many progressives and many climate activists. Right. What does it do? I know there have been two lawsuits filed now against it. This will drag out. You know, even if ConocoPhillips gets everything they want, oil won't start pumping out of there for six years or so. And that's a long Where, time. It, it's in Anwar. See, it is. Well, it's close next to it. To Anwar. Anwar is over here. The, okay. the Petroleum Reserve. It's interesting how names matter. It's hard to defend not drilling in the Petroleum Reserve. But that was made in the 20s to, to get the Navy off of coal, basically. But the Willow Project right there may never be exploited. The, the economics of oil exploration, uh-huh. for example, Anwar. Right. Republicans wanted to drill in Anwar for 20 years. Yeah. President Trump finally got permission to do that, but three companies that had leases, they pulled out. It's not worth it to them. There's not enough oil there. So it may not happen, but Then we have our kids being brought into a world that is amoral. You know, there's no morals. Everything, it's all about you, baby. It's all about what you want, your desires, and there are no consequences for your action. And this is a short video from the National Catholic Prayer Breakfast, but it's very interesting how liberals break down and moralize how you can kill a baby. And this is being injected into our kids every day. Human identity and flourishing it grafted onto our nation's founding document, a wrong-headed idea about what it means to be and flourish as a human being. Let me explain. The right to abortion emerged in Roe v. Wade by Justice Blackman's balancing of what he took to be important competing human goods. 
rooted in a very particular set of assumptions about what and who we are and what we owe to each other. He began by isolating the mother and the child and making them strangers to one another, atomizing them and pitting them against each other in a zero-sum conflict over the body and resources of the mother, who is indisputably a person, against what he described as the state's protecting who he took to be, and his colleagues took to be, a morally ambiguous being. They described the child in the womb as potential life, which of course departs from the classification scheme of modern biology, which recognizes the embryo and the fetus as distinct human organisms, where the person is a lonely agent of desire, defined by her will and the capacity to make choices whose flourishing is in the pursuit of those economic and social aspirations of her own invention. So it's not surprising that the unborn child in this world was defined as subpersonal, and that states were forbidden from treating the child as if she were a person. And it's not surprising that what ultimately emerged from this line of jurisprudence was a right to use legal violence to achieve these self self-invented goals. And if, if, in doing so, isolate the woman in her, in her moment of need and absolve us of our obligations to care for her and her child, her body, her choice, her problem. And lastly, this baboon and Nancy Pelosi talking about J6. I'm putting Nancy Pelosi in front of it because we're going to have a This Is America soundbite that unequivocally shows that the entire narrative was a fucking lie. And we knew it was because when everybody, including the Will Carlisles, USA Today, CNN, WAPO, New York Times, came out with armed insurrectionists bludgeoning people with fire extinguishers, killing officers, and we peel the layers and everything's a lie. It's a terrible event. They shouldn't have been there. There shouldn't have been a speech. They shouldn't have gone in the building. All those in a adult are truisms, but then taking it and using it as a political tool to win an election and to subvert your opponents and silence people as they're continually doing right now, that's un-American as fucking as all get out. So here's her babbling. And then eight minutes, and I know it's long, but this is what these people think. South by Southwest. And it's all, how do we silence opposing views to save democracy? As you saw on January 6th, there is a sentiment in our country that is anarchist. It just definitely is. Now, we always like to be respectful of everybody's view, and we always want to find our common ground. And I just don't know why there aren't more responsible Republicans saying, this isn't what our party is. I keep saying to my Republican friends, and I do have some. <laughs> Take back your party. Take back your party. You are a grand old party. You've done great things for our country. The country needs a strong Republican Party. Instead, you've turned into a cult to a thug. I'm being, it's Sunday morning. You know. <laughs> I want to be truthful with you. You, you go. <laughs> and, and that's just not good for the country. And there are very few people in the, in the leadership or in the um, history, of, uh, you know, past record of our Republican Party who are speaking out on this, but they must. Because again, the country needs to have the debate on the role of government. That has been uh, 
respected since the beginning of our country. What is the role of government? What is the role of the federal government? That's a legitimate debate. Very conservative is a legitimate place to be on the spectrum of all of that debate. But radical, right-wing, destructive, led by somebody who just feeds the flame. Uh, I'm Brian Seltzer, formerly of CNN, uh, now at the Shorenstein Center at Harvard University. Uh, and we are here, as you can see, uh, to talk about the, how the media amplifies hate, and, and most, more, more importantly, uh, what can be done to address this, to fix it, to, to make a, a healthier media ecosystem. Uh, and we have three experts to talk about that with us. Um, right next to me here, uh, Lauren Krapf. Uh, she is, um, well, you know what? We have our titles on the screen. Why don't you each give us your 10 second, you know, credentials or bio, not more than 10 seconds, 20 seconds. Give us your credentials. 20 seconds. Yeah, there we go. I'm Lauren Krapf. I'm Director of Policy and Impact at the Anti-Defamation League and our lead counsel, focusing on ways to fight hate, extremism, and anti-Semitism online, hold platforms accountable, and protect victims and targets of hate and harassment. Uh, Jade Magnus as well from Color of Change. Hello everyone, my name is Jade Magnus Oganaki. Maybe I should move this up a tad bit. Um, hello everyone, my name is Jade Magnus Oganaki. I am Vice President of Campaigns over Corporate Power Programs and Research at Color of Change. And my job is all about attacking corporate power and the ways it harms our material realities every single day, and specifically black people as Color of Change is the nation's largest racial justice organization that is black-led and serves black people. It's nice to see all of you today. And Steve Rosenbaum of the Sustainable Media Center. Steve, what's that? So, the Stable Media Center is a year-old not-for-profit uh, based in New York, but with a national footprint that basically came out of a whole bunch of tech, academic, and media people saying collectively, you know, this current ecosystem as it exists today is not sustainable. And there was a debate about whether sustainability was an environmental term. And the answer we came to was, yes, it is. And the media environment that we all live in, that our children live in, that our grandchildren live in, is, is in dangerous shape. And so that's what we're doing. Hashtag for this is stop hate media. So let's establish what hate media is and is not. Uh, can we give some examples, Jade? You wanna start some examples of, of the problem that you know, we can all see and, and make very clear and vivid? When I think about, um, this panel is a lot about media and also about the ways that tech intersects with media because a lot of us get our news from Facebook and Twitter long before we open the New York Times or the Washington Post. Um, a couple examples come to mind. Um, the first one that really comes to mind is the summer of 2020, which is, as we know, the largest protest movement of all time. Millions of people came together to protest, to march, to take action in support of racial justice. And in Kenosha, Wisconsin, um, there were marches planned. At the same time, um, there was a, uh, uh, what do you call it, military group, um, a militia group is the word I'm looking for, a militia group who had posted an event on Facebook. And they had invited members of this militia to come and counter protest and to be armed, to bring guns and you know assault rifles to this protest. The event was flagged five to 10 times. Facebook refused to take the event down. There was one person who did RSVP though, and his name was Kyle Rittenhouse. Kyle Rittenhouse traveled to the event and ended up killing uh, people who were protesting at the event. 
And that is a great example about not only how um, uh, these tech platforms are a new form of media, they're a way that we gather, they're a way that we find community, but they're also uh, controllers of our environment. Um, uh, who's to say that if that event hadn't been on Facebook, maybe Kyle Rittenhouse wouldn't have heard of it at all. Um, and Facebook had a duty and a responsibility as a technology company, as well as a media company, to take down what was advertised as a violent event, and they didn't. And there are families every day who are thinking about their loved ones who were killed on that day. Lauren? Absolutely. We are today facing normalization and mainstreaming of extremist ideologies like never before. And this started quite a while ago with Infowars and Alex Jones and peddling conspiracy theories about tragic events like Sandy Hook. And that was on the fringes of the internet and had far too much attention. But now we are being served up hate and extremist content at the top of our mainstream news feeds. It's being discussed in newsrooms across the country. It's being legitimized in a way like never before. And it's because it's profitable, because certainly for social media, hate and extremism and salacious content drives engagement. And we are, we are living in a world that is optimizing for engagement, whether it's outrage or disagreement or otherwise. We're living in a world where two people with extremist ideologies who, have, who would have never met before, but were interested in the Boogaloo movement, which is an extremist anti-government movement, were connected through Facebook's recommendation algorithm. Anybody that looks at Brian Seltzer as an objective person on any subject is a fucking moron. That'd be like me looking at me as somebody who believes that climate change is the most existential threat to our world. I'm not that guy. Or that we need to abort babies at live birth. Still not that guy or that Vote Vets is a great organization and we need to make sure that vets only see what we want them to see. Not that guy. I'm not. I'm an old school liberal. You live your life, I live my life. Don't tell me how to live, I won't tell you how to live, but this is not the world we live in. That guy's an asshat. He was never an odd budsman for CNN. He just went after Fox. That's how he got his gig. That's how they all get their gigs. Hate Fox, silence Fox, because Fox is saying truth's not in evidence. Not because they're untrue, we don't want you to know it. And that's really what we've been dealing with for since Trump got elected. Well, really, Obama. Since Obama. We were scandal-free because we're black and America's racist. That's what she said. They keep trolling her out to talk about crying for 30 minutes, talk about a million things that end up being pretty fucked up. Which brings us to our This is America, or not This is America, Lighter Fair. If you haven't seen it, I actually watched it with the wife on Fox Nation. Um, the Smollett brothers recreating their faux attack, which once again... Um, Behind it, you'll hear a little soundbite of me talking about it when I said it was false. And then a soundbite of an actual a journalist telling Lori Lightfoot to get the fuck out of Chicago. 
They took our beautiful bench. <laughs> this is where we waited for Jesse to come before we attacked them. So we got here with 10 minutes to spare, and we had to plan our escape route to survey the land. His building is actually right here, right above the stairs that we're going to attack him at. We made sure we got there at 2 AM, sharp. On the dot. On the dot. We had no phones because he did not want us to bring any phones. He said, so we don't lose them. I don't know if that's really the reason, but you can deduce your own reason. So 2 AM, he was nowhere to be found. He was not there. So we were like, damn, what do we do? We didn't have no way of contacting him. He had no way of contacting us. So we waited here for about, what? Four, four minutes. It was about four, minutes, four minutes, but it felt like forever. Because it was cold as balls. So I saw him out the corner of my eye, and I was like, OK, that's him. Let's go. We got to go get this Empire fat Yeah, that's him. That's him. Is that him? That's that neck. It's that neck. Yeah, that neck. How many sound bites have I played on this show? You need to treat Trump supporters like pieces of shit. You need to treat, invite conservatives to your dinners and things. Maybe if they're ostracized enough, they will change their point of view. They believe wholeheartedly you have no right to believe what you believe. And how evident is it? Well, we're segueing into Smollett. It's pretty evident. I sat down with the Empire Star for his first interview since that night in Chicago. He opened up about what he's learned and the bigger message he wants the world to hear. What do you feel people need to hear the most from this story? I think that what people need to hear is just the truth. It's just the truth because everybody has their own idea. Some are healing and some are hurtful but I just want young people young members of the LGBTQ community young black children to know how strong that they are to know the power that they hold in their little pinky it's been two weeks since that night left actor Jesse Smollett bruised but not broken and he's still processing the raw emotions have you ever been threatened before yeah I get threatened all the time on Twitter and Instagram and DMs and things like that. It's like, but, you know, I'm a public figure. I'm very outspoken. <laughs> Sometimes maybe too outspoken. But it's who I am. You know, so I get the idea of pissing people off. That you're going to rub people the wrong way. In fact, the week before the attack, police confirm a letter was sent to the Fox studio in Chicago with threatening language and laced with powdery substance, likely Tylenol. Do you think there's a link between the letter and the attack? Um, and you did mention it to the police right away absolutely. about the letter. Absolutely. Um, just because on the letter it had a stick figure hanging from a tree with a gun pointing towards it with the words that said, Smollett, Jussie, you will die black there was no address, but the return address said in big red, you know, like caps, MAGA. Did I make that up too? And despite lack of video surveillance footage, Smollett hopes to rewrite the narrative about that night, saying he fought back against his attackers and reported the incident after his creative director called 911. He's supposed to be 
well known requesting a report and said the noose was placed over the friend's neck. I want that video found so badly because for probably four reasons. Number one, I want them to find the people that did it. Number two, I want them to stop being able to say alleged attack. Number three, I want them to see that I fought back. And I want a little gay boy who might watch this to see that I fought back. And it does not take anything away from people that are not able to do that. But I fought back. They ran off. I didn't. What do you say to a young gay man, a young gay person? To learn to fight. And I don't just mean like learn to fight. I mean, learn to fight. If the attackers are never found, how will you be able to heal? Um, I don't know. It's like Subway is open 24 hours for a reason. So that when you're hungry at night and you ain't got no food, you go to Subway. The, the camera facing north. How is that my issue? It feels like if I had said it was a Muslim or a Mexican or someone black, I feel like the doubters would have supported me a lot much more, a lot more. And that says a lot about the place that we are in our country right now. Many For a hoax. Understand the same day this interview came out, an independent investigation was taking place on Covington. Covington investigation finds no evidence of racist or offensive statements by Catholic students and viral encounter. Media ignored it. He literally decided to call everybody racist. And if I was Muslim... If I had said it was a Muslim that attacked me, it would have been believed. It's like Subway is open 24 hours for a reason. So that when you're hungry at night and you ain't got no food, you go to Subway. The, the camera facing north. How is that my issue? It feels like if I had said it was a Muslim or a Mexican or someone black, I feel like the doubters would have supported me a lot much more, a lot more. And that says a lot about the place that we are in our country right now. Many, I have play-by-play -play all the way through it, but let's just get reporting that was better all along. Daily Mail, Jesse Smollett was filmed walking a house to the noose around his neck after a homophobic racist attack. Smollett was attacked around 2 a.m., but police were not called until 2.35 he was in an apartment with an associate. The 36-year-old actor still had the rope around his neck, so the attackers placed a noose around him. Smollett commented that they shouted, this is mega country, was corroborated by Wednesday by his manager. Moore said he was on the phone with an actor while he was attacked. When officers asked Smollett for a cell phone, he refused. He has otherwise been cooperative. Police are hunting for two persons. A neighbor also revealed that he saw two men loitering. He had a rope hanging around a sweatshirt, and they looked out of place. Smollett's famous family released a statement on Thursday saying that he's grateful he's alive. Trump condemned the horrible attack. ABC7, police investigating whether Smollett staged attack with help or other alleged being written off of Empire was the reason he wanted some, I guess, publicity? John Ziegler, current behind-the-scenes CW from those involved, Smollett case. Smollett got in a fight with a man he was dating and cheated on. That was one of the rumors that went out. 
The following is a statement from Chris Bastardi. He is the Vice President of Head Strategy and Crisis for Sunshine Sachs and Avanti's Lawyer. Articles come out. Doubting Jesse Smollett is racist, according to Jesse Smollett. We played the soundbite. It's racist. You must believe it. The media said you must. Uh, today's show, Jesse Smollett said he's angry not only at his attackers, but also those who have questioned whether he's telling the truth. Out in magazine, op-ed, I believe Jesse Smollett, you should too. Doing the opposite is what you got us into our current socio-political shitstorms, says out director of culture entertainment, Travell Anderson. Uh, see, we got a grinder hookup gone wrong. Da 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 da. I suppose a healthy skepticism is warranted. As a journalist, our default is to question everything. We spent the better part of the last three years encouraging greater media literacy and uplifting importance of an independent verification and fact checking and the fight against the proliferation of fake news. And it's not at all that absurd to think that they celeb that a celebrity might want attention so badly that they make up a story, especially one with such an on-the-nose details like two clearly racist, homophobic white guys screaming mega country. But many of the hot takes thus far don't seem to be constructive with the antenna confirming what took place. While it's important to allow police to investigate this case, it doesn't mean Chicago Police Department doesn't need a healthy dose of skepticism itself, as is headed by Eddie Johnson, who killed a black person. This goes through basically, you're a racist, homophobe, piece of shit, if you don't believe it. You shut down our schools, you shut down the churches, you shut down the businesses. You did the one thing that I thought could never happen. As somebody who, who was born and raised on the south side of Chicago, I never thought in my life that I would ever see the city of Chicago brought down so low. I hope that after today's city council meeting, you will pack your suitcase and get the hell out of my city. Who is that guy? He was sassy. A little bit loud. I couldn't take the volume down on that. Sorry. I tried, but that was like the old school Samson mic. I was fucking fired up, baby. Fired up. Anyway, um, big thing happened this week. Uh, Bethany Mandel couldn't define woke. These are the same people who can't define a woman. You can't define woke. There's vocal distance. Those who say we can't define woke or that it's just a slur or substitute for the N-word or playing word games in order to undercut your ability to highlight and criticize their ideas. Let's talk about how it works. So defining woke, a thread. And, of course, they, they break it down and make a joke out of it. But I'll just go with the people that can't define woman, can't define anything. And I'll use a liberal to do it. Here's... Dan Abrams talking about that train wreck of a fucking DEI hire press secretary. With that criticism from the left growing in particular on the immigration front, the White House decided it was time for a little damage control. So they sent in press secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre into what should have been the very friendly territory on Friday night of MSNBC with Chris Hayes to discuss the report the Biden administration is considering a return to family detentions. Sadly, Jean-Pierre often ends up creating more damage than controlling it. Now, it's not all her fault. The White House has long had an incoherent message on border policy. 
continuing to enforce Title 42 while claiming they want to end it, criticizing other Trump-era immigration policies while reluctantly embracing them because they have no better options. But what happens when you send a terrible messenger out with a tricky message? You get the kind of train wreck interview that took place on Friday night, an interview that reduced Jean-Pierre at times to a rambling mess. In fact, the press secretary's first answer to an obvious question was almost incoherent. That moves us forward. Well, thank you for being so clear. We're going to move forward. We're going to do it in a way that moves us forward. It's just gibberish. And John Pierre's insistence, it just wants to be clear. It's something she says all the time and then does just the opposite. He is a libtard. I love the guy on patrol. He's awesome. You know, we've been watched so many on patrols. So we got it back on Peacock. Um, just love it. He's a, he's a great guy. But he's a libtard. He was part of the mediaite thing. And I mean, these people live behind a false cocoon of media. And this was for um, um, This Is America, but a 72 hour scramble that s- saved the banking crisis. White House political claims Biden saved Silicon Valley startup. I mean, they just they live in a different world. And every once in a while, they'll they'll get some truth out. Like, think your grocery bills are high now? Yeah, yeah, it it, it ain't nothing compared to what we're gonna get. And that's Robert fucking Reich. But then they'll do articles like this, a mile long food thing, and shows that we should just basically in this article could just keep giving out free money and food and shit forever for people. This is your fucking media and your fucking economy and when you just let this administration hide behind fucking DEI and woke phrases and words this is what you get a clusterfuck so don't say you know somebody couldn't describe woke woke is everything now you guys have taken the tentacles of critical race and gender theory and put it onto everything. Their trees are racist because of shade and this is racist and driving cars is racist and Jesus Christ. Also, you can shove down your political diatribe on America and silence opposition. All the while, while the Will Carlisles and USA Today and Brian Seltzer, we need to shut Fox the fuck up because people hear shit we don't want them to hear. That's what it's about. I mean, if you're talking about disinfo, Jesus fucking Christ, CNN and MSNBC has done nothing but disinfo since Biden got in office and Trump got elected. Everything about Trump was disinfo. There were so many fake fucking stories I couldn't do a podcast on it. It would take three hours plus to list them, not talk about them. Or let's talk about COVID. Let's talk about the 2020 election. Let's talk about J6. Let's talk about Jane's revenge. Let's talk about Floyd riots. Peaceful but fiery. They're that but crazy now before I get into our This Is America positive sound bites, two people sticking it back at the fuck faces, 
on CNN and it looks like MSDNC. Yes. No, they're both CNN. This is something that fucking Joy, Joy Reid said. Love affair with Fox could hurt its 2024 candidate in a big way, report finds. Report by the Read Out blog. Why would you, as a Republican, go on those channels? They're putting disinformation out. Here is Jennings fires back at CNN lefty ties parental rights to white nationalism. And you know better. Senator calls out CNN for repeating Biden spin. It's state media. As they're saying Fox is state media, the state is fucking Democrat, dickhead. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. This is America. In just four years, the number of Republicans who say that the country's increasing racial, ethnic, and national diversity is threatening American culture has nearly doubled. It is still at a minority here, but that's a big minority, 38%, and it's nearly doubled. What do you think is going to happen here? Will that continue to shoehorn Republicans into continuing to play footsie with white nationalism? I totally reject the idea that the Republican Party is based on or playing footsie with or has anything to do with white nationalism. I think that's completely wrong. There's no question that the Republican coalition, particularly in the Trump era, is centered on the voters who are most uneasy about the way the country is changing demographically and culturally. I mean, you see in polling up to three quarters of Republican voters say discrimination against whites is now as big a problem as discrimination against minorities. Over 70% say the growing number of immigrants is undermining American culture. Uh, Three fifths to two thirds say society is too soft and feminine and is punishing men just for acting like men. The question remains though, uh, is that a national majority? I mean, the, the dividing lines between the parties now is not so much economic as it is how you feel about the way the country is changing. That is the fundamental fault line in our politics, and it is clear the energy in the Republican Party is for candidates who express resistance to that in all sorts of ways, from classroom censorship to book bans to what's happening on LGBTQ rights in the, in the red states. Ron, but you can't you so compare. Let me, let me just say, you, you get. It just—it's—it is not right to compare a Republican parent who has concerns, who has concerns, yeah. concerns about what's happening in in the classroom with a white nationalist. But I do want to ask you about something that a fellow Republican of yours is proposing on Social Security, and that's raising the age, uh, the retirement age. This is something Nikki Haley has proposed for people who are in their 20s and younger now doing that. Is that something you think would be effective? It depends. To do it by itself would clearly not be effective. Uh, what we've done in our approach, by the way, is to create a fund separate from Social Security, separate, but have it a diversified investment fund that would grow and could take up, could, could, could take up by far the majority of our future obligation. Now, that is an approach that we're taking that the White House could engage with us on. I'll go back to Ms. Young, who I really like, but nonetheless, they've not presented a plan. The president's willing to let this go bankrupt because he doesn't want to talk about it before his reelection. It is irresponsible, it is foolish, and it is wrong for the American people. You're saying you want to see President Biden come out with a plan that would 
Would you be working with the White House on that? Would you of negotiate course. with them on that? Of course. Because I think that's been a part of the no, that's not pushback true. here. I can t that's no pushback. <laughs> I can tell you that we have made ourselves clear that we'll be open to working with the White House. We have a bipartisan group approaching this. Well, I just I'm going to say, because the White House, you know, is going to point out what Senator Rick Scott has well, said about course, Social Security. Of course, because that's what they have to retreat to. Well, he Once, is a fellow Republican oh, of yeah. yours. And, I, you know, there's a Democrat who said something kind of stupid, too. And so we're going to take one person as an excuse not to engage when the average beneficiary will see a 25% cut. He's not just an average senator. You, you, oh, come you do. on. Caitlin, you know better than that. It's one senator saying one thing that the president gloms onto um, uh, because he doesn't want to actually have to come up with a plan. He's the president of the United States. He should come forward with a plan or else there'll be a 25% cut for people who currently depend upon Social Security. If that doesn't matter to you, you're either running for re-election, you're too old to care, or you're too rich to need the money. I do think it matters. I just think we have to note what Senator Rick Scott has said, because uh, that is Scott important is, here. Rick Scott has actually retreated from that. I mean, that is a know, talking we, point for the president. We've but had it has him on no, the program. But it has no relevance to what we're trying to do. We have a bipartisan solution uh, approach that we're willing to talk to the White House about, and the White House doesn't want to talk to us. What the fuck, man? They've been doing that forever. It's in every paper, the white nationalist talking points because they realized MAGA wasn't cutting it. You could say uber-duber, super-pooper-scooper MAGA, but it wasn't working as well as they pulled it with their rabid base. And who are the rabid base? Remember, we hear that the, the, the there's a white nationalist MAGA you know, parents, anybody who disagrees with trans and the kids or fucking CRT in school, there's, there's white supremacists everywhere. Will Carlisle spends every day looking for extremism. They are sedition hunters. And it's all a cult. Listen to this, Moonbat. And I'm going to play all three minutes and 21 seconds. Listen, Democrats. Can we please stop talking about primarying Joe Biden? Who should run against Joe Biden? Will Democrats get behind Joe Biden? This many Democrats want an alternative to Joe Biden. Can we just not? The absolute last thing democracy needs right now is a democratic primary. We're in late stage capitalism with a corrupt Supreme Court on a knife's edge between autocracy and democracy, and people want to spend $100 million to undermine our successful incumbent when the alternative is the twice impeached criminal ex-president or the man who is single-handedly turning Florida into a fascist dictatorship? Why? I know people are excited for fresh young leaders with bright new ideas, but those fresh young leaders will never get a chance if we don't protect democracy now. The fact is, Joe Biden has gotten more accomplished in two years than any president in the history of presidents. In an increasingly cynical world, Joe Biden is a decent man with an incredible staff who knows what he's doing and has thoughtful plans for the future of this country that include women's rights and gay rights and workers' rights and voters' rights and higher minimum wage and lower health care costs and environmental protections. It could be argued that the biggest reason democracy is winning in this David and Goliath story in Ukraine is because Joe Biden had the foreign policy experience and humility to gather world leaders together and build a coalition to support them. He can run on all of that. We don't need to replace him. We need to spend our time and money giving him a bigger majority in Congress so he can get even more accomplished. Yeah, he's old. He talks old. He's a goofy grandpa who says things like malarkey. Who cares? By every measurable metric, he's an excellent leader. 
If we didn't have lying propaganda networks and self-serving chaos agents constantly trying to sell us on the idea that he's some demented evil pedophile out to ruin the country, and you just looked at the facts of his presidency on paper, there would be zero debate he was doing a bang-up job. You don't spend a hundred million dollars undermining your own party to defeat someone who's doing a bang-up job. You run your successful sitting president and you spend the resources you would have spent on a primary building the infrastructure that will defeat your opposition. You know, the party who wants to take your vote and force you to have a baby and tell you what you can read and what you can teach and what you can know. The people passing laws to tell people how to dress and how to act and what they can do with their own bodies. The party calling for a national divorce and suggesting that maybe Democrats shouldn't get to vote at all. The party that wants to get rid of everything from social security to public schools who have already passed laws to strip women of their rights and make trans people detrans. Polling has shown that the mega has shrunk and DeSantis has improved his position. Because Republicans just want somebody to win. They saw Trump as somebody that could. And I understand it. He's a fucking idiot. He's embarrassing. His Twitter account's joke. The whole premise that we hired somebody that was a reality TV host. Fucking moon back crazy. But after eight years of Obama talking off his nose, saying you bitter clingers with your guns and Bibles and the media laying prostate, sucking at his teat because he is the greatest president ever that was forced down our neck because we're racist if we don't vote for him or we're racist if we did vote for him we're just fucking racist and as we've stated a million times on the show the whole race grievance industry went crazy after we elected a fucking president that was black twice Trump didn't give a fuck he said fuck you it was pretty cool I liked it. I voted for him the first time, and I voted against fucking Biden the second time. Well, I kind of voted against Hillary, too. I kind of liked Trump just because he was the first Republican that didn't give a fuck what CNN and MSNBC and WAPO and the New York Times thought, because I still believe as a non-prog, why do you go to those agencies? They don't give a fuck. They're progs. They push Dems. They're taking a guy that is mentally incapable physically incapable, can't even walk up motherfucking stairs and saying he's the greatest president ever and we need to reelect him. They're already doing it. At 80, motherfucker would be old as shit by the time he gets out. They don't care. Why go on CNN? Why go on an MSNBC? You know, they say state media, and I just said it, but I mean, Jesus fucking Christ. When every institution is DEI... Everything's prog now. If you're a non-prog, you're a white nationalist. You're an extremist to Will Carlisle over there at USA Today because you don't agree with what they are pushing down. You don't believe the existential threat is climate change and that we need to give health care to kids that are three and start pubic brocking. I mean, fuck. It's the craziest shit ever. They're going to let non-citizens vote. They're going to make pronoun a human rights violation. That's how in deep they are with this Trojan fucking horse president. He's perfect. He's an old man. So they put all sorts of crazy fucking shit out of his mouth and they figure it's going to work. 
People will buy it. When old man Joe says it, it can't be that bad. Everything they say is a lie. And once again, prefacing, J6 was bad. Trump was an idiot. People shouldn't have gone in the building. But it wasn't worse than, worse than George Floyd violence. It wasn't worse than when they took down the fucking White House and bunch of goddamn Secret Service got fucked up. The media didn't report it. They, they said Trump was a piece of shit because he took a picture with the Bible in front of the church they set on fire. But people are looking at these videos now. And one of the underlying why we impeached him was that he, at a certain point, said something and people attacked, which was a total lie because nine minutes later he finished the speech and they were already in the goddamn building. Whoever did it. And I say that because there's plenty of evidence that Antifa was there. There's evidence that an Antifa guy went in with an NBC reporter. That was all over the Twitter. They saw it, but, you know, media ain't going to cover it. Will Carlisle's not going to sedition hunt that motherfucker. The reality is at some point in this thing, it went volatile. And it went volatile, as you'll see in this video, because the police started tossing tear gas. Nobody was doing anything at that time. Watch this video, because remember, the whole thing is Trump said something, crowd went crazy. Rich, Rich has a 40. Rich, over here. 40. 40. Put it out. Right over there. Wherever the hell I'm from. Right over there. Put it out. Hey, Rich. Yeah. Put it up on the fucking scaffolding. All right. Hey, I'll make sure I'm now. Yes. Oh. You're going to do it back. You're going to do it back. Hey, we're going to throw it back. Everything. We're firing up in the air, Rich. Over there. All right, record this. I don't have my gun. I got it. Just go. Just fucking shoot. What the fuck? Shit. <laughs> First-hand accounts of people that were there, including... Uh, uh, Cersei, Nick Cersei, was the moment they started doing this shit, people went fucking bonkers. And then the crowd got hostile. I'm a non-mega motherfucker. I don't fucking join politics girls and loving every Democrat like they're the greatest second coming of Christ. And I don't join the GOP with Trump is so great. Oh, I worship Trump or George W. Bush or anybody. There's not been one person. Obama kind of in 2004 almost got me. Speech at the fucking Democratic Convention. Man, that sounded really good. Not a red America, not a blue America. But then you start listening to his stump and he was all about blue. And then I researched him and he was a fucking career organizer and he was all about whitey bad. But he just said it in fancy languages so it sounded better than Al Sharpton saying white people are bad. And then I couldn't do it. After Joe the plumber, I was like, fuck that motherfucker. And I hated McCain, but I voted for him. I hated Romney, but I voted for him. At the time, I really thought his running mate, who I won't even say his name anymore because he's a fucking huge disappointment, I thought he would be a good president. He was young. He wasn't extreme. He was pretty moderate on things. Yay. Yeah, he was a fucktard. He was a liberal. I don't join things. 
I don't think politicians are great people. I think they're garbage fucks that will say anything to me. And I've been to Washington seven times. I've talked to all Democrats and Republicans. I've seen all these people from Nancy Pelosi to motherfucking Pence to McConnell. I sat right next to McConnell. I saw them all. They're garbage humans. They're elitists who have made a career in millions of dollars off your back by doing basically insider training on stock markets. Republican, Democrat, it doesn't matter who the fuck it is. They know things are going to happen. They dump their stock, make a killing, and now they're all rich. The only thing the media does is goes after Republicans. Why did he get money? Why did Mitch McConnell get rich? Well, he got rich because his mom died. He's a rich fuck who inherited rich money. That's how a lot of people get rich. January 6th was fucked up. It wasn't worse than 9-11, and it damn sure wasn't worse than George Floyd, where whole cities and $3 billion of the shit got burned down because a guy who was dying from a fentanyl overdose got kneeled on by a shithead. That was sponsored by the state. Sponsored by the vice president and the president and Nike and Apple and fucking Amazon and the media. There was no intellectual honesty that why buses were going all over the country and people were showing up from fucking everywhere to Waukesha. Or in D.C. where they fucking physically assaulted GOP reps as the media said they had that shit coming. They deserve it. And didn't air it. Nobody cared about that. They don't want to know there was probably financed by George Soros, who is the Koch brother of the left. But we don't know Joe Soros because they put the DEI over it. You're anti-Semitic. That's racist. But yet we had a whole election where everybody knew who the Koch brothers were. We knew everything about them. That's all Harry Reid ever said, Koch brothers. While the GOP counterpart was crying. But every part of J6, now that you see the videos, now that you dig deep and you just look at them objectively with the premise... It's wrong. They shouldn't have gone on the Capitol. Anybody who hit a cop should go to fucking jail. Oh, we don't do that for Floyd riots. But that, that's okay. They can burn down police buildings, federal courthouses. Nobody, that Biden just drops all those charges. Okay, that's cool. But these motherfuckers should have gone to jail because that's the law. Anybody who threw things at cops, anybody who hit them with a armed status of a flagpole now because that's armed because nobody had guns but none of the timeline makes sense the impeachment didn't make sense because he said do it peacefully and if we're saying rhetoric is something that we need to hold people accountable to Chuck Schumer said motherfucking whirlwind I think the whirlwind was people protesting outside judges' houses. I'm just throwing it out there. That's against the law. We did nothing about that. We got Jane's Revenge and BLM fucking up churches. That's cool, but if a white dude does it, 
And we call that a race crime. It's a hate crime, correct? It's a hate crime. Throw them in jail for a long time. We put accentuants. We accelerate that fucking crime and make it worse. But we don't do that for gang members because they're woke. They're DUI, equity. Okay. But the whole timeline's fucked. Everything you said's a lie. It's clearly apparent the police let him in the building. Escorted shaman, dude. And instigated the riot at the outside because there wasn't one there. There was just a bunch of people milling around. The initial instigators were already in the building trying to get to Pence or whatever the fuck they were doing, which was wrong. We've now unequivocally proven that Ashley Babbitt was just shot in the face because dude wanted to do it. And six SWAT members walked right past her and they didn't do shit with long rifles. They ignored that door. It's on video. You released it. And now we know the entire J6 is what we knew it was, which was just another thing to try to get Trump and carry it on and keep it in the news. And the media sponsored it, ABC producer, so they could get better voters in the midterm because they don't have a boogeyman anymore. Trying to use DeSantis, white nationalists, uber mega, ultra mega. Uh, The country's crawling with white supremacists, but they can't show anybody. I've seen one video from Will Carlisle of a bunch of jackasses with Nazi flags somewhere in Ohio. But goddamn, I've seen four incidents in the Lincoln Projects and other left group dressed people up as racist and made them go buy buses. And then bragged about it. So I don't even know those people were Nazis or just a bunch of people dressed up so they could get a video. So they could say, look at these white nationalists. I'm assuming that's what it is because nobody's carrying it. It's nowhere. Just Will Carlisle and the sedition hunters. I mean, you fucked up. You just fucked up. You lied over and over about everything. The media has spent all their time pushing an agenda since Obama. It was subtle. Then it got more. And then at the end of his presidency, it was all in. We got to keep a dim in the White House because we believe all the shit that they believe. There are people. And they really thought saying the most qualified president ever, 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 Hillary Clinton, who eight years before they said was a racist piece of shit because she criticized Obama, we got to vote for her. She's the shit. But she was a bitch. Nobody liked her. They knew nobody liked her. They knew her favorabilities were fucking horrible. Only hardcore feminists, which still existed in 2016 and now have been eradicated, they're pieces of shit that have moved to Canada because, you know, dudes, Dylan Mulvaney, I mean, let's be honest. Where the fuck is my mouse? We have gone... I think I killed the slide. Did I kill the slide? Yeah, I did. I'm bringing it up for a point. 
that is womanhood now. Just in fucking nine years or seven, seven years. Seven years where this is a woman. But back then, feminists loved Hillary. They wanted their first female. They had the glass ceiling. They had the pen center, which now we know is a, Rus- a Chinese-sponsored fucking building for Democrats. Go figure on that shit. Nobody liked her. And then Trump wins. So we go with Russia, Russia, Russia that nobody believes now because it was proven with your Mueller very biased, destroyed their laptops and phones. There's, they found nothing. And they had to because they had just let Hillary get away with major crimes because she had all sorts of top secret shit. I mean, fuck, think about that. That's out of the goddamn news. The moment Biden got caught with boxes of shit, there goes your Trump's a piece of shit and Mar-a-Lago raid. Still had no raid. We're letting Biden's people do it. Everybody sees this shit. We're seeing it. There's a difference if you're a Republican. Or, no, he's not even a Republican anymore. If you're a non-prog, there's a difference. So you started with Russia, Russia, Russia. You illegally wiretapped them. That's been proven true. Obama did it under Russia, Russia, which was false. We impeached him for a phone call that Obama did on video with Demendev. Well, after the election, I'll have more leeway to get shit done. Remember that? Obama telling people this, that, and the other thing. We just had Biden tell the fucking Afghan president to lie about how much of the country Taliban took. We impeached Trump for that. Not Biden, though. It's okay for him to tell him. It's it's best. We had a whole country fall. People fall out of fucking airplanes. That didn't even make it a week in the paper. And now we find out we gave $7 billion worth of shit to motherfuckers that we were fighting. All the gains with women are out the fucking door. Women are now oppressed. We left fucking Greenheart cardholders there. We're quietly awarding private organization or NGOs to fucking save people's asses in little services where nobody's watching. And then we have the whole Russia, Russia, Russia. We say Trump is owned by Putin, yet Russia does nothing under his presidency. But under Obama and Biden's, he takes motherfucking countries. Crimea and Ukraine. There's no connection. And we have a president that has 100% been proven. He's the big guy. And his son and family business was getting money from China, which sponsored the Penn Biden Center, which, oh, by the way, China owns us. But yeah, DeSantis, he makes Mussolini and uh, Adolf Hitler look like a piece of shit. I mean, Jesus fucking Christ. What have you said that is true? I mean, if you could show me one thing you said is true, I'll buy your misinfo. 
I'll buy that Fox is the biggest threat to the country and democracy, whatever the fuck that means. Because everything you show me about democracy is vote the way we tell you, live the way we tell you, eat what we tell you, think what we tell you, trans the kids, teach all the kids that America's a cesspool of racism and everybody in it who's white is a fucking racist. You're born a racist. Doesn't matter if you had slaves, if your lineage had slaves, if you weren't even here when you were slaves like me, or there was slaves, you're a fucking racist. That's some good democracy right there because that's what fascism is. And that's the overriding thing that cracks me up and I'll stop my rant. We spent four years of Trump's a fascist who couldn't do shit without judges overturning everything he did, including securing the border. This president can hand out $4 billion in student loans. He couldn't reappropriate military defense to secure a fucking border or get money for a wall that all the Democrats who were blocking him said earlier on a Republican we needed to do. A different Republican that they hated the same. W who was also a fucking Nazi, a monkey Nazi, because he was a monkey boy. Jesus Christ. What the fuck is wrong with you people? They don't even see it, which is the problem. The Democrats, the media, Twitter, Google. I mean, I didn't even go into 2020 where you worked the algorithms. You wouldn't let people see shit. You said you were going to do it in 2016. That video got out. Facebook suppressing everybody with a different opinion. Facebook putting money, 500 million, into Democrat districts and running polling stations. That's the democracy you're talking about. We have a threat to democracy. Yes, we do. It's you. You're the threat. The media, Democrats, Will Carlisle and the sedition hunters. How about Jane's revenge hunters? How about people that murdered people during George Floyd? How about the motherfuckers that burned police cars and burned down precincts and burned down federal buildings? How about all the motherfuckers who fucked up federal agents at Portland's fucking federal courthouse? Why don't we hunt those motherfuckers down? Because you got 900 J6ers who just trespassed and are serving sentences longer than murderers and rapists in blue cities who were released to their own recognizance with ankles monitors after they just murdered somebody. Those motherfuckers are still sitting in jail in D.C., They haven't even got court cases yet to then get sentenced longer than drug traffickers and gun violators, the felons, because you guys want to take the guns away, but there's all sorts of gangbangers and every weekend on On Patrol, African-American DEI candidates who are caught with guns and are felons and they just get released because you don't. You don't convict them because they're black. DEI. They had a hard life. But we're going to make more laws, executive orders, as we started this show, to take away your gun because you're a white guy. 
or you're an Asian person, or you're Latino, and you don't fit in one of their important category demos. Or as we saw today, you're a vet. We need to tell you what to watch on TV because you're a danger. That's the shit that was in Clinton with Janet Reno, that the biggest threat to America was vets. They ran that shit again, you know that, right? Because a couple guys were ex-vets who stormed the Capitol. So all vets are suspect now. They're goddamn white nationalists. Because they, like the majority of Americans when polled, believe that the 2020 election where you changed 80 voting laws, had Facebook running polling stations, ballot harvest, didn't do signature verification or address verifications, and a guy with the IQ of a potted plant who did his campaign from a basement got 81 million votes when the most popular president ever, Barack Hussein Obama, only got 62 or 3 or something like that. He didn't get 81 million. He didn't even come close. So that wraps up another episode of Flyover Politics Podcast. Share with your family and friends. Go to SoundCloud. Follow Flyover Politics with the K. Rumble 482467. Email me at foppodcast at gmail.com. Tell me to go fuck myself. Or if you're listening out there, Will Carlisle, I'm a seditionist. Even though I wasn't on J6, I was actually in this podcast booth recording when it all went down. I didn't even know what happened. I had a friend call who is a liberal and he was losing his shit, blaming me and didn't talk to me for a while. Because it was my fault because I voted for Trump twice. Even though he knew I voted against the other candidates, actually. But... Okay. I know I broke the one and a half. It's impossible. There was too much shit. It's it just like an avalanche. I have a whole nother show ready. So we're going to go with the next show today, blah, 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 Monday. Sunday or Monday, 19th or 20th. We'll do another show because I have that much shit. It's freaking out of control. Disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah, yeahs. Tune in for the next show. And as always, thanks for listening and you take care.